0: And we are live from the Empire of Lies, your front row seat to the worldwide revolution. This is a show that brings you truth, open debate, and diversity of viewpoints on the issues of the day. I'm Lee Stranahan, and this is The Backstory. How you doing, Rod? You doing well? I'm
1: doing well, Lee. How about yourself?
0: you doing great. You put together a great show today. First off, in the first hour, the great Mark Sloboda straight out of Moscow. And we got a lot of stuff to talk to Mark about. Amnesty International, uh, Turkey, uh, with Erdogan. Do you see Erdogan
1: met with Putin again? He was over in Moscow. Yeah, I did see that, Lee. And like we, we talked about that with uh, Dan Cavallop the other day.
0: And it's hard to figure Erdogan to me. He seems to have changed somewhat. I've talked about this before, but does Erdogan, his policies seem to have changed and she seems to have,
1: I'm hesitant to use this word, matured somewhat. Have you noticed that at all, Rod? I don't trust Erdogan that much, Lee, but I think he's just, he's just seeing the landscape and he's just seeing it's better to align yourself with, uh, with Russia and China and the East because the West is going crazy right now. No, and that's true. And we'll be talking
0: to Mark about it coming up this hour, I believe in 50 minutes, right? That's when Mark starts? Correct. Okay. And then in the second hour, we did not have Carmine Mundy on Monday, because we didn't but he was called into work but today we're having Carmine Wednesday is that fair to say he's Carmine Xavier will be our guest in the second hour is that right Rod
1: that's
0: correct now you know Carmine has a lot of strong feelings about the raid on Trump's mar a lago state
1: and I'm in one hundred percent support of uh, Carmine's feelings because uh, I agree with it. you know, you, I think you you know you keep messing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and you you know there's only so much people can take. but
0: okay, would it be fair to say Carmine is freaking out?
1: Yeah, that's fair to say. I think he's I think he's uh, freaking mad. I think we could say that, right?
0: Okay, let's take your sh- uh, let's go to the boom and then I'll play you someone else who is freaking out.
1: You're listening to the best show on the radio, The Backstory.
0: So, in the category of Italians who are slightly freaking out, Bongino—that's—that's got to be Italian, right? Right, Rod? Am, am I missing anything, or is Dan Bongino an, an Italian American?
1: I believe he's Sicilian, right? That, I think that's what he said. Is this his heritage?
0: Oh, that explains it. Okay, so. Dan Bongino was on Fox the other day after the raid, and we're going to play the clip now, and you can see for yourself that Dan Bongino was freaking out. That's fair to say, right, Rod? This is a full-fledged freakout.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It's fair to say.
0: Okay, so let the freakout commence. Roll the freak out, please.
2: Let's to Dan Bongino, the host of Unfiltered on Saturday Night Dan, your quick emotional reaction. I think everyone's a little emotional here uh, about this raid.
3: Yeah, I mean, you think this is some third world bullshit right here. Let me say it again. Third world bulls. I mean, every word of that. I don't care that it's cable news. I was a federal agent. I raised my right hand. And I swore to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And I love this country. This is a freaking disgrace. A disgrace. We don't live in Cuba. We don't live under Kim Jong-un. We live in a constitutional republic, a representative democracy. You have a bunch of FBI agents raiding the home of a former president because they don't like his politics. Are you kidding me? You've spent this whole show, Jesse, and I've spent my entire time either on Fox or on my podcast exposing the left for claiming Russia interfered in election as Hillary Clinton paid off a bunch of foreign agents, her team, literally to fabricate a story that occupied the nation for four years. What's she doing right now? Getting a manicure in freaking Chappaqua. She's not doing squat. Nothing. Hunter Biden is having sex on tape while doing crack, while doing crack. And what is he doing? He's living in a Malibu mansion. And yet the president, the former president, who whether you agree with him or not on his claims about the election, whether you agree or not, we still live in a country where you are allowed to challenge an election. There's even a process. The ECA, the Electoral Count Act. You may not like it. But it's a process. How do I know it's a process? Because some people are trying to reform it. You may not like it, but now you send the FBI. Let me tell you something. I have been I have paid due deference to the FBI for a long time. And a lot of listeners didn't like it because I work with some very good people over there who have since retired. The management of the FBI has now shredded any single shred sliver of credibility this agency had left. Nobody will take them seriously from this point on. It is over. You've heard the examples. Stone, Manafort, Cohen, over and over. Are they good guys? Are they bad guys? I don't know. I don't care. I don't know them. All I'm telling you is you cannot tell me we still live in a constitutional republic and not the freaking third world when you have Hillary Clinton paying foreign agents to interfere with an election. People lying on the road repeatedly. Hunter Biden doing crack on tape. And what happens? Where are the federal agents? they're not in Malibu. They're not in Chappaqua. They're in Mar-a-Lago. This is some third world garbage that happened tonight. And I'm telling you, the FBI management, here's a solution. Last thing. We have now got to win in 2022. You have no choice now, folks. Oh, we don't like the swampy Republicans. I don't like them either. Republicans may not be the solution to your problems, but Democrats are certainly the cause of all your problems right now. If there was ever a clarion call to to remove your ass from the seat and go vote in 2022, this is-
0: Now, there we go. There's Dan Bongino. What do you think of Dan Bongino's emotional reaction, Rod? Because I'm going to goof on him in a second.
1: <laughs> I think it was, you know, I think he has validity to it. Obviously, you know, the FBI is just, you know, I would say he's a little bit too uh, gullible to even had any trust in the FBI since 2016. I mean, I think that was the end of any credibility they had. So besides that, I think he had a little bit of validity.
0: And he still has the thing I don't like Dan Bongino, and I've said a variety of reasons why. But also, as a broadcaster, you know, as soon as you say things like, this is BS, and I stand by every word I just said, both the B and the S. What do you mean you stand by every word? You said a very short phrase. So you stand by every word of BS? What are you bragging about? You stand by all, both words? And then he he comes in there, and uh, he makes a statement that, given too much, he admits that he's trusted the FBI. And he said, a lot of my audience called me out on that. And I got called out by Dan Bongino for calling him out on that a year ago. I said Dan Bongino, who wrote a couple of books. Dan Bongino's importance here cannot be underestimated. He wrote a book called Spygate and a sequel that essentially were, were, were the Republican Party line on the Russiagate hoax. Do you think that's fair to say, Rod?
1: Oh, yeah, for surely. He had a lot of missing in his book. Uh, one of the big things I know you've hit on and a lot of other people have hit on, too, is that he doesn't mention Bill Browder and Bill Browder's involvement.
0: Well, he mentions Bill Browder to tell his story. He mentions him, and I'm convinced Bongino is working with Bill Browder in some way because of things he said. But what Browder did not mention at all in any way is Strobe Talbot the head of the Brookings Institute and Bill Clinton's former roommate at Oxford in 1969. And you've heard me talk about stroke Talbot a lot and stroke Talbot became a major player in this, but here's what I don't like about him. A uh, Dan that is when, see, I didn't know anything about him. Then people on Twitter started saying, what do you think of Dan Bongino? And I said, I don't know anything about him. And so people who knew both of us started saying to Dan, you should really listen to Lee's work. Lee's doing a lot of good stuff on Strobe Talbot and the Ukrainian connection and so on. And what Dan did was he hadn't heard of me, and that's fine. He, he doesn't have to have heard of me. But rather than look into material about Stroke Talbot, he immediately just accused me he did what Twitter's doing. He said, oh, well, Lee works for Russia, so let's dismiss him. Hey, bonehead, I'm right because I work for Russia. Russian-funded media has been your bet. It's certainly been better than freaking Fox. What's been better, Rod, throughout Russiagate? Russian-funded media, name a show, any Russian-funded show on Sputnik or RT, or Fox News taken as a whole? What's been better?
1: Oh, R- Russian uh, Russian media by 100 miles.
0: Okay, now sing the Russian national anthem. No, wait, wait, don't do that right. It worked well for John Mark Dugan and Aiden Aslan. Remember when he had and sing the Russian national anthem, it caused a major international incident. So... Do you think I would get in trouble for making you learn the Russian National Anthem, Rod? Um,
1: because I would do it so bad uh, so bad, and awful. Yeah, you probably would be characterized you know, be criticized over that.
0: You're saying you don't have as lo- lovely a singing voice as Aiden Aslan?
1: No, not even close. I, I give him credit. He, he did a good job, but no, I would. Yeah, I he would, did uh, do. I'd butcher he it. Did,
0: he did do a good job, especially... He sings well in a musical theater kind of way, right? And that's why I picture him in a two-man show with Nina Yankovic, the former Minister of Truth. Imagine Aiden and Nina, a two-man show where one of them's a woman. I'm just saying, can you imagine them doing show tunes together?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could see something like that happening. So I
0: don't think she'd work with him, but she, unless he told her, he have to approach her right. He has to say, you know, uh, Nina, I used to fight with Nazis, and then she'd say, "Okay, I'm down." That would that would attract her. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: A hundred percent. I know you, it's a joke, but um, if he said, "Yeah, I was part of the Azov Battalion," she would probably give him a date.
0: Right exactly right and 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 ain't no date like an azov date now let's take a short break and when we come back our friend and the great expert on all things russian and ukrainian including the weather and the food mark Sloboda. let's take a short break and when we come back we'll be joined by mark on the backstory And we're back on The Backstory and on 105.5 FM AM 1390 on the broadcast dial in the Empire of Lies, Washington, D.C., the capital of the Empire of Lies. Joining us now is one of the great guests, our great friend, straight out of Moscow, Russian and Ukrainian expert, Mark Sloboda. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Lee, Rod, thanks for having me. It's always an honor and a pleasure
4: to be on The Backstory.
0: Well, it's great to have you, Mark. Especially, there's a lot of... I see some changes. Let's talk about the first issue. Oh, by the way, we should point out that you were recently on the show, The Roundtable, with Gonzalo Lira on YouTube, correct? Yeah. So how'd you like being on with Gonzalo? He's okay. Okay. So, Mark... Uh, What's going on with Amnesty International? Because Amnesty International has, for years, been one of the liberal establishment go-to organizations when they want to accuse Russia of stuff, correct? But now Zelensky is attacking Amnesty International. And it seems to me Zelensky, by attacking this venerable institution, is actually creating problems long-term, For the West, because they will have trouble using amnesty. He is hurting their credibility, or he's trying to. What's going on with Zelensky and amnesty? Mark?
4: Okay, so I mean, Amnesty International, venerable, is a word, all right? Um, I would say they have a checkered past, they have a long history of, shall we say, fluffing, fluffing up reports. Uh, weaponizing, you know, human rights uh, against any of the West's adversaries of the moment, um, while certainly playing down uh, any of the U.S.'s or the U.K.'s own war crimes um, and um, other misdeeds in any of their, you know, wars of invasion, occupation, and regime changes over the last thirty years, uh, but. And and there are questions about why this latest report came out now. You know, um, uh, some people are saying that is is Washington or at least some forces, you know, some people within Washington getting ready to throw Zelensky personally under the bus or to provide an exit ramp for the U.S. That's. Speculation at this moment, right? We don't know. But they came out with a report uh, that is highly critical of the Kiev regime's, the US backed Kiev regime's uh, military practices uh, in the ongoing conflict. And it has to be said that during this report, they also uh, castigated Russia. Uh, and, and in fact, at, at greater length than they did Kiev. And and they said that whatever Kiev is doing, it's no justification for Russia's intervention in, in Ukraine, although they certainly don't go into whether the last eight years of the Kiev regime bombing its own people in the east is justification. That wasn't touched on in the report. But they said that the, the Kiev regime military forces, uh, something that we have all seen hundreds and hundreds of times – Uh, by Kiev regime forces uploading videos of themselves doing it to social media. So it's not like some groundbreaking news. It's groundbreaking that Amnesty recognized it. They have been using uh, residential buildings, schools, hospitals, theaters, whatever, as firing points and military bases. And they said that this is not like some type of one-off thing. It is a regular pattern of Kiev military practice.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think what's more is Amnesty actually documented this very well. They didn't make just the accusation, but I think Amnesty – go ahead, Mark.
4: Yeah, I mean, not only that, but they they also said that there is no evidence that the Kiev regime military forces tried to evacuate the civilians. Uh, from these areas, which is what really elevates it to a very serious war crime, right? Because under the Geneva Conventions and international humanitarian law, you have a responsibility to conduct your military forces away from such residential buildings, schools, hospitals. And if you cannot, then to get the people out. And if you do not, and you use them effectively as human shields, while blaming the other person for attacking your residential buildings and schools, uh, that's a war crime. Um, and they very they documented this in in some 22 out of 27 schools, I believe that they visited. There was evidence of Kyiv military occupation. Five out of five hospitals, and so on. So this is obviously a regular pattern. They documented it, and what was the response? Right, the the Western media barely reported it. That's why I don't think it will have any long term effects on 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 the reputation of of Amnesty. But um, you know, the the Kiev regime, Zelensky, started calling, going all crazy, unhinged, uh, declaring them to Amnesty International to be terrorists because they were. Uh, supporting a terrorist country, and they shouldn 't be talking about Ukraine at all. They should only be talking about Russia, not really understanding the way that this is, stuff is actually supposed to work that everyone's not automatically supposed to take his side, that there is supposed to be some objective assessment of crimes of war that's completely foreign to him because it has not yet been done by the West, by the Western media in any way, shape or form, which is kind of the big shocking thing about this. Now, evidently, the the uh, Ukrainian head of the the head of Amnesty International in Ukraine objected to this, and she resigned in protest, even. Um, she said that um, that this should have been cleared with the Ukrainian Ministry of Defense first, which I guess is probably you know the the usual pattern, but for whatever reason, this pattern was broken. Now that I don't think it means that we should automatically trust Amnesty International. I trust my own eyes and the videos uploaded by Ukrainian troops for the last five months of this conflict and the eight years that it continued before, you know, that it started before this um, in Ukraine, you know, between Ukrainians themselves, the civil conflict there. Uh, but it, politically, it is extremely interesting. And uh, it just, Zelensky's shrill, screeching, uh, unhinged response just you know makes more and more unclear you know clear how uh, tottering his regime is
0: well you know mark you mentioned that this could be some people see it as part of the off-ramp for Zelensky. that maybe Zelensky is getting desperate as he gets near the exit door bluntly what do you think is going on with that do you think we could be seeing the end of Zelensky rule in ukraine Mark,
4: oh, I see. as an off ramp for the U.S., right? As a potential, you know, or at least a first, you know, tentatively laid step, if they feel the need to exit from that. And similarly, we had a report on CBS coming out uh, from a Lithuanian organization, Blue Yellow, that has supplied the Kiev regime with military weapons. Uh, Western military weapons since 2014, and they came out and said that the Kiev regime, uh, well, the Western weapons supplied to the Kiev regime, only 30% of them reach the end destination. The rest are sucked up either through some combination of corruption, uh, resold, redirected, uh, or are intercepted by uh, presumably by uh, you know Russia before you know they reach uh, troops that can actually use them.
0: And Mark, forgive me, you said that media report on how only 30 percent of weapons are reaching him is on Russian funded RT, correct?
4: No, that's on CBS. That's CBS. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But they then retracted the story. They deleted their post from Twitter. They pulled the story off the Internet because of the outcry that they reported this. And then they said, oh, well, that was actually in April and it's gotten better since then. And we'll update the report sometime in the future with this new information. Until then, we're just deleting it off the Internet. So that was completely pulled under pressure. But I, I think it definitely sets a sudden pattern. In fact, uh, also, German media came out with a, a, a pretty sharp report on Zelensky's corruption and uh, you know the rather large sums of money, hundreds of millions that he has tucked away uh, in the West. Uh, So all of this coming out rather quickly. I don't think it means that Zelensky's days are necessarily numbered. I think they are at some point, although that could as well be internal rather than, than, say, external, right? He's got enough domestic enemies, oligarchs that he's been – basically he had political problems with because they backed Poroshenko over him um, and basically – Zelensky, there's there's significant evidence that Zelensky has been taken out oligarchs that crossed his him and his oligarch out. So uh, there seems to be some fighting under the covers going on there. According to the Kiev regime, Zelensky has survived 12 assassination attempts since this whole thing began. And there is no word. I mean, I don't. I don't know but I have not heard any direct accusations that any of them were russian i don't think russia even necessarily would want to do that they want someone to sign a ceasefire deal on their terms but look the us wanted poroshenko a few years ago when 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 zelensky was quote elected in these sham elections they would have much preferred But there was a huge throw the bum out, throw the Maidan bum out and get the guy in who says he's going to end the conflict in East Ukraine. Of course, he did the exact opposite once he got in there. But um, they have built Zelensky up so much over the past five months. This heroic – they're presenting him as some type of modern-day Churchill, cover-vogue, cover-boy president. Yeah, I mean – it's, it's it's insane the way they've presented him. I mean, I remember just, uh, you know, it wasn't so long ago that he was doing comedic sketches of him playing the piano with his penis. I mean, seriously. <laughs> um, yeah. So the whole thing has been rather surreal, but it's going to be hard for the West to get rid of him at this point, because as part of the info war, the propaganda, they have built him up into such a figure that it might if they want to get rid of him. It would actually make a a lot more sense to make a martyr out of him and then blame it on Russia. That might be actually uh, something that is considered at some point in the playbook.
0: Now, let's talk about another situation that I see evolving. Russia's relationship with Turkey and with Erdogan seems to be evolving. Is that fair to say, Mark?
4: It's always evolving, um, (laughs) depending on... In one direction or the other, the, depending on where Erdogan sees the current political and economic winds blowing as as he sees it. Um, if you're trying – first of all, I'm sorry. Um, Erdogan, I'm really sorry, but you will always be the country formerly known as Turkey to me, and I'm just going to call you Turkey because I don't really care about Erdogan. Um, <laughs> but um, – if you're trying to say that, that Turkey is suddenly, you know, becoming oh a great ally of Russia now, that's not <laughs> – um I mean but, but Turkey and be- Russia have yeah, they're both taking advantage of each other. They're both taking advantage of each other for the opportunity. All right, Turkey and Erdogan, you know, Turkey and Russia, say Erdogan and Putin have long been In a very complicated geopolitical dance where they have been literally at war with each other in several locations, but agreed to manage their geopolitical differences and to keep it separate from their economic relationships because it might that might be too damaging. Right. So they kind of limit the scale of it. And while Erdogan is still sending uh, selling biractor combat drones to the regime in Kiev. He's also signing new energy deals and doing photo ops with Putin. Um, I think that he certainly sees that the, you know, the, the winds, uh, the military winds in Ukraine are strongly blowing in Russia's direction. And, and right now he's leaning a little bit more uh, towards the Russian side, and and certainly in this latest summit where he signed several economic deals with Russia, I'm sure against heated U.S. wishes and was doing photo ops. Uh, evidently, that's something that Washington has forbidden countries that are its supposed allies to do not that it stopped them but it ordered countries arab league countries and turkey don't you dare do photo ops i mean don't trade with russia and if you do trade with russia don't you dare do photo ops with putin so what do they all do go up and (laughs) line up for photos shaking his hand uh you know surprisingly people countries don't like being told what to do like quite like that
0: and let's 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 talk about the the the, so the situation you brought up in Syria, that's a very interesting one because, as you say, Putin's on Assad's side in Syria, and uh, Erdogan's on the side of Al Qaeda in Syria. He's There's opposed by. There's a
5: third player
4: in Syria. There's a third player in Syria. That's the U.S. and and the Kurds. It's a three-way right. Mexican standoff, and still, after it's it's settled almost into a frozen conflict.
0: He considers them a terrorist group. And the US has backed them sort of. But when it came down to no, shooting completely. War,
4: it has backed them completely. I mean, other than I mean, of course they haven't sacrificed American lives, but in terms of armaments and, and um you know um uh you know the human tripwire of the presence of American troops in East Syria, um, then they certainly have, yeah.
0: And what what I'm talking about was a few years ago, when the Turks invaded Syria and started fighting the Kurds openly. The U.S. didn't get involved in that. Is that correct,
4: Mark? No, they didn't. Yeah, no, that would have cost American lives. And they're they're not they were not willing to go to war. Which, with what is at least on paper, a NATO ally who has such an important geopolitical position, they just backed off and let erdogan cleanse say 30 kilometer stretch of northern syria of uh, of kurds they they yes the u.s threw them under the bus
0: in that recent deal with finland and sweden to join nato what do we learn about the u.s and the kurds or what do the kurds learn about them
4: yeah in the in the recent deal right part of turkey's objections that they used publicly was that Finland and Sweden had given po- political asylum to Kurds that that Turkey considered to be terrorists, and uh, some of those Kurds, some of those Kurds have gone on to become not just uh, citizens of Sweden, but but politicians, elected politicians as well. Uh, so, uh, as part of the deal that was reached for Turkey to uh, tentatively agree to vote yes on bringing Finland and Sweden into, into NATO, unanimity between all NATO members is required, was evidently some type of agreement that Finland and Sweden would um, uh, extradite these figures. At least that was Turkey's understanding. I never believed that was going to happen. I mean, they're not going to give up people they've given political asylum to, much less there are you know, those that have become actual citizens of their countries. But uh, Erdogan wants, he knows he's not going to get that, but he wants more economic and military sweeteners to seal the pact. And once again, he is raising the specter that he could veto it unless you make it worth my while.
0: What, what do you think? And, and how does this, if, if at all, affected by BRICS, the BRICS alliance of South Africa, Brazil and so on, you know, Iran and so on. How do you how do you see the future importance of the BRICS alliance compared to the G7 and NATO? Do you see BRICS becoming a kind of alternative in the world to the G7 and NATO?
4: No, no, not not directly to that. First of all, BRICS is is really an economic and political grouping, not a military grouping at all. So there's there's no real relation to NATO as a military alliance there. Um, and in terms of the G7, uh, the G7 is a is a political talking shop, right? It's it's mostly produces rhetoric and and that's all. The BRICS is becoming something quite different. It is becoming the kernel of a nascent alternative global economic system outside of U.S. control. And the way that the West has weaponized their control of the global financial and economic system in their uh, existential economic war of sanctions on Russia has frightened a lot of countries. Because if they can do it to Russia, then they can also do it to China or You know, they've long done it to Iran and, you know, to lesser degrees, but they see the degree to which it can go now. And countries are saying, well, you know, some of these things like. You know, say the World Bank, uh, the um, SWIFT financial transaction system, the global um, uh, rating agencies like Fitch and Moody's, maybe we need some alternatives to those outside of Western control. And with the the BRICS New Development Bank um, and several other measures they're making along these lines between themselves, I think what we have there is – the beginnings, right, of a new alternative, uh, maybe a parallel, an alter globalization, if you will. And one of the things they're seriously discussing right now is a BRICS currency, kind of a a basket of BRICS currencies grouped together, which you could see as an alternative to the IMF's special drawing rights.
0: Right now, you, you mentioned before what's going on with. Uh, forgive me, I lost my train of thought for a second. You you were talking before the, the new thing that Zelensky's announced. You were talking before, about, I remember the thing that tied it in, is Zelensky's seemingly insane moves. I'm going to throw in another insane move by, by Zelensky. He announced today is sometime in the last 24 hours or so, that he wants to attack Crimea directly. He said he will not rest until Crimea is back as part of Ukraine. That seems to me especially insane because Crimea, as far as I know, doesn't want to be part of Ukraine. He would get his as fighting from the people of Crimea. But have you heard about this? What's going on with this, Mark?
4: Yeah, um, it, it's it's. I was actually talking about this before the show with my wife. My wife is from the Crimea. Uh, we, my my mother in law still lives in in Simferopol, um, and I, I, I've become very very familiar with Crimea over the last twenty years, and I, I can tell you in in many ways the people of Crimea are more patriotically pro-Russian than a lot of the people in Moscow which is actually the most liberal city in the country as as surprising as that may be it's like 20% but it, you know it's still more than than anywhere else um and i mean conceivably right if we had a redo of the Crimean war and the entirety of NATO engaged in a conventional war with Russia that somehow didn't go nuclear and over a number of years they managed to push Russia, you know, with Kiev on their side, the Kiev regime, you know, this is like a fantasy scenario. Um, uh, They would still have to basically commit genocide on 90 some percent of the Crimean population because they would not accept rule by Kiev again. They won't. Um, When I first met my wife, um, it was at a, a club in Boston. And I heard her voice. um, And I I said, oh, um, you know, um, you're from Eastern Europe somewhere. And she says, yes, uh, I'm from Crimea. And I said, oh, you're Ukrainian. And she slapped me across the face. And (laughs) that was my introduction to the complicated ethno-political politics of Crimea and Ukraine.
0: Yeah, no, no. Forgive me for losing my train of thought before, but I often think about the show in terms of segues. And my segue was, here's something else insane Zelensky's doing. Because when I heard this on the news today, this struck me as possibly his wackiest move yet. I think – I would think that if I was Zelensky – the last thing I want, would want to do is bring up Crimea because is Zelensky going to get anybody saying Crimea should be back with Ukraine aside from maybe
4: his wife? Yeah, no, every, every, everyone. I mean, maybe not too many people in Ukraine take that seriously. They know it's propaganda and rhetoric. But I think you would be surprised how many ignorant people in the West take that as as, you know, the, the, the God's literal truth. I'm sure that no one in the halls of the White House, you know, or the CIA or the Pentagon believes that. But, you know, the, the propaganda bubble that the western, uh, you know, audience, the US, sorry, the American people and others listening and become their audience, they have no idea of of uh, you know, the popular sentiment in Crimea because the western media has, you know, prevented them from knowing it. So is it Zelensky being unhinged? Maybe. But this is also the type of rhetoric that has come out of the, the regime in Kiev, not only you know, since this intervention began in February, but for you know the last eight years. And I, I think you only have to assume that it's some type of maximalist. We're going to win this thing to try to keep up altering morale, you know, to keep the conscripts fighting. But I mean, there have been uh, uh, Kiev regime uh, militants who have been taken prisoner of war in the Donbass. And according to what they believe what they are being told in the tightly controlled information propaganda space. They, they seriously thought that Ukraine was invading Russia at this point, right? They, they thought that Russian forces were beaten back well into Russia and that uh, uh, the, the Kiev had uh, taken Rostov in Russia and was moving on Moscow. I mean that's how insane – how, what a divergent fantasy reality of propaganda that he has created. And I guess at this point, they kind of have to continue it because the whole thing might come crashing down.
0: Now, and you can see we're using as a show cue Zelensky insane thing. There's so many to choose from. Now, talk about what's going on in the Kherson region. Kurson, Ukraine is making some noises that they're going to launch, since March, basically, a a big counteroffensive in Kursan. But it seems in the past few days that that is falling apart and that there's not going to be a Kursan counteroffensive, much more than we're seeing now. Mark, what do you think about that?
4: Okay, so, I mean, there have been... According to reports uh, in Ukrainian media, as well as as the Russian, although it's much more restrained and more in Telegram and channels and stuff for the for the Ukrainian side, that um, the uh, Zelensky has been pushing for a big counteroffensive in the south in Kherson uh, for 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 months now, and that the West wants it because they want to show that all of this. Tens of billions of dollars of their taxpayers' money on uh, weapons and economic aid is is has some result, has some return on investment that they can win something. Um, it, the problem here is that this is a really horrible place for them to to try to make a counteroffensive. First of all, they have no—I mean, they don't have any amount of armor left. They're they're outgunned in artillery at least fifteen to one. Um, they would have to be charging across terrain that is mostly empty step, right? It's flat. It's, there, there's no real shelter to seek against an opponent that has a 15 to 1 artillery advantage and has, at least over that theater, complete, if not air superiority, then at, in a very conservative, complete air dominance. Right. um with without being capable of combined arms maneuver because they don't have enough tanks they don't have enough uh they don't have any air power they don't they don't have uh, enough artillery it would just be basically conscripts with guns shoved in their arms thrown across the steppe into a hail of artillery right a, a mass suicide and the Ukrainian uh their equivalent of the Joint Chiefs Zeluzhny, the that the, the, the chief general uh, of staff of the uh, Ukrainian military evidently He's been very strongly arguing against this, saying we need to defend. We a a counteroffensive for political reasons is militarily stupid, Um, and it is. But that doesn't mean that they haven't done a lot of politically motivated, stupid military things so far. Right now, they seem to be going back and forth on whether it's actually going to happen. The latest last week, it was oh, it's still going to happen later in August. And then last Friday, one of the kiev regime, uh, Zelensky's presidential advisors and uh, ideologues, uh, Mikhail Podlyok, uh, put out that, oh, all of this stuff about the Harrison Offensive, it was all just part of the info war and propaganda to cleverly trick Russia into diverting forces. And we never actually intended to do it. So... I mean, if that's the way they're trying to cop out of it. I mean, the truth is that even before the offensive began, some say it actually began three weeks ago and it's just gone that badly. That's why you don't hear anything about it. Uh, But the troops that they have tried to gather, again, they don't have enough gear to really do an offensive. There's no they're not capable of combined arms maneuver. But what they have and the troops concentrations have been being nailed by Russian uh, standoff strikes with cruise missiles, airstrikes, long-range artillery strikes, and have just been cut to ribbons where they were trying to gather for a counteroffensive. Instead, what they're talking now, they're talking actually about a Russian counteroffensive in that area towards Nikolaev, right? Right. And if so, they've only created that situation themselves because Russia was building up forces there in preparation for a supposed Ukrainian counteroffensive that never happened and shouldn't happen and can't happen. And instead, now they're saying, "Oh, huh, well, what do we do with all this stuff here? Well, I guess we got to put it to some use down here." Uh, you know, Nikolaev's on the checklist somewhere here. So. Uh, You know, that's a possibility at this point. It may still happen. I don't expect anything very positive for it if it does. Uh, and if it does, it will be a political, not a military or strategic decision. Part of the rationale is to give the West what they want—a return for investment. Part of it is, you know, mer- you know, the constant problems that Kiev has with morale and troops deserting and, and making videos and re- leaving the front line in mass. Uh, but uh part of it as well is that the uh, the new, the new authorities in son, which are actually the old authorities in son, the governor of Harson now was once the mayor of the city the principal city of the region and was a um, a uh, mp a deputy uh rotted deputy um, in the parties that have since been repressed and um banned by Zelensky because they were not – they were anti-Maidan. They were pro-Russia, quote-unquote. But he's banned 15 political parties in the country and charged a, a pretty big number of their leaders with treason. All right, he's created a little totalitarian uh, state, um, and but it has been building up for years at this point. Uh, but the people uh, there are – the, uh, the administrative there have announced that they intend to hold a referendum – Uh, in both Kherson and Zaporozhye region to join Russia. And there is an idea that Zelensky needs to um, interrupt that. He needs to, uh, at the very least, make the threat. Don't don't even think of voting that way because we're coming back and we'll find out who did vote, you know, who did support this. And, uh, you know, they'll get a knock on their door in the middle of the night from Azov uh, or – uh, right sector or Kraken or, or any of the other patriotic uh, neo-Nazi state-armed and funded neo-Nazi death squads. And, you know, that's that's the part of the rationale behind any supposed counteroffensive if it happened.
0: Well, also, we've been talking about Crimea and Kherson, but actually, aren't they strategically related in some ways? In other words, Russia's had Crimea as part of it since 2014. But they did not have the Kherson region. And I understand the Ukrainians were strategically using a dam that's there to keep water from the people of Crimea. So what's the relationship between the Kherson region and Crimea, Mark?
4: Sure. I mean, Kherson is a region directly north of Crimea, the the south Ukrainian region. And I mean, if you take a look back at voting records over the last, uh, you know, two decades, you see that Herr son votes very solidly for the very pro-Russian politicians, Uh, you know, first the party of regions, then then the um, uh, opposition platform when that was lustrated, right? And then that was banned. Uh, But um, that region there, uh, it did provide a water supply by canal uh, to Crimea, you know, all since the Soviet era um and it wasn't that they used a the dam they literally built a dam to cut off water to the crimea uh to punish them to collectively punish the people of crimea there for choosing wrong right what, i mean what says winning back the hearts and minds of the people of crimea like cutting off water right and there has been water rationing in the crimea new new sources were developed and it was uh, you know it was still extremely uh, tough, uh, particularly on Crimean agriculture, uh, which Crimea has been known for you know decades as a as a heavy agricultural you know region, strawberries and you know uh, you know lots of other types of produce grain um, uh, uh, vineyards there um, so uh, grapes um, and and so forth but uh, they they really put a dent uh, in uh, Crimean agriculture uh, over the last eight years. And the, one of the very first things that uh, Russian forces did when they uh, liberated Kherson uh, from the, the uh, Kiev regime's forces was to blow up that dam. So, yes, uh, I do not think at this point it would make much sense to hand Kherson back to a regime that that says that that they're going to storm Crimea.
0: And related to that, Ukraine recently charged Russia with stealing Ukrainian food, right? They said, and it's the food in Kherson region, which Russia is in charge of. Ukraine has accused Russia of stealing food from a territory that they control. It's on my list of insane things. But Mark, what's going on with that?
4: I mean sure I mean the Kherson region is producing food there and the new authorities there which once again are the old authorities there the ones the people had elected there prior to 2014 they need to get their produce to market and they're selling it the Kiev regime doesn't own that food any more than it has any legitimacy to own Ukraine and that is particularly ironic of course coming from the United States uh, which is occupying East Syria and selling off Syrian oil and um, uh, grain. It's also the big oil, uh, grain-producing region of Syria and not letting any of it get to government-controlled areas um, and saying, well, that's for the people here. Well, the people of Herson are getting their own produce to market uh, through what avenues they can now, and that, you know, that means with Russian trade routes not with uh, the, the Kiev regimes. So, um, you know, that's the reality.
0: So, Mark, let me, let me ask you to as you prognosticate. What do you think? I, I know this is a broad question, but answer it any way you want to. What do you think the world is going to look like in, let's say, two years? Because I would say a lot of this stuff will be settled somewhat. You know what I'm saying? Not settled completely, but mostly. And we'll... Have an idea of the way. What do you think the world is going to look like in two years as opposed to the way it looks
4: a year ago? Mark? The, the, wor- the world or the war? The world. The world. I, I, I called since the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. This is the great decoupling. This is the beginning, first of all, of the separation of Russia from the West permanently. I I mean, what trade there is will be reduced to a very bare minimum of what the EU can't survive without, which may be gas or it may be nothing at that point, although that will cause huge economic damage to the EU and very little to Russia. Uh, It will be, you know, cutting off your foot, you know, out of spite. Um, But I think that these same measures are going to be applied to anyone who continues to trade with Russia. They're going to be applied to China. They're going to be applied to Iran. We've already seen that. The U.S. has already been trying to force the EU to economically decouple from China, you know, cut out Huawei and other companies and so forth. I think we're going to see a new, more fractured globalization with trading blocks. I think we're going to see a new, smaller, more fractionized, internet. The global age of the internet is over. You'll tell your grandkids about it. Airspace is already looking that way. And rather than the birth of a multipolar world coming out of the end of the unipolar era, the US, the West trying to hang on by all costs and making everyone take sides is actually forcing the world back into a new bipolar area. They're pushing countries like China and Russia and Iran and in many ways even India together uh, by attempting to hang on to hegemony a little longer. So we're going to see just a few decades after the end of the last bipolar era, we're looking at in two years, we're going to begin to see what is recognizable as a new bipolar world area. And When does the China-Taiwan thing, uh, you know, uh, uh, U.S.-China over Taiwan uh, with a lot of parallels to what the U.S. is doing with Ukraine against Russia, when does that kick off? Is it in two years? Is it in five years? Is it in 10 years? Right. The U.S. views it as inevitable somewhere in the next 15 years. Right. Um, And when it does, that is just. what has happened in Russia with Ukraine will just be a prelude to that great concert.
0: And we talked about Turkey, or as you call it, Turkey before. And I see Turkey is increasingly deciding that they're going to throw in with the Russian side of the new world order. Do you see that, Mark?
4: Real, real quickly. No, I do not see that. I mean— I see uh, uh, Turkey continue trying to play both sides off of each other as long as they can. Eventually, Erdogan will not be able to do that, and one way or another, he will be gone. I think we're out of time now, Mark, but I agree. And I think
0: what could happen is NATO could throw Turkey out. But great conversation by a knowledgeable Mark Sloboda straight out of Moscow. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, We'll talk about the worldwide revolutions and who predicted them decades ago. I'm Lee Strahan, and this is the backstory. back from the empire of lies and on 105.5 fm am 1390 in washington dc we're the show that brings you the truth behind the headlines i'm lee stranahan and this is the backstory great segment as usual with mark sabota what do you think rod did you learn something
1: yeah, and uh, Lee, you know, you're really sticking with this uh, Turkeya thing. You know, I, I, I know it was announced, but I, uh, you know, when I hear other uh, outlets, they still call it Turkey.
0: Yeah, I, I heard a discussion about that. Turkey officially wants you to call Turkeya. They've said that. So if you don't, what are they going to do? They're not going to invade your house. But I'm trying to get used to it because I think it's inevitable. That we'll all be calling it Turkey eventually, because it's they're they're not saying oh never mind, skip it, call it Turkey if you want to. Turkey is saying they
1: want to be called Turkey. So does it make sense, Rod? No, no, no. I, I agree with you on that. I'm just saying, uh, you know, for like maybe a couple of days, I saw other outlets doing it, but then they just reverted back to Turkey. So maybe you're ahead of the game.
0: Yes. So what it is is I'm following the rules that they set and they said them. So a lot of people aren't doing it, but I heard a discussion about that today actually on one of the shows I listened to. And they were saying, yes, Turkey has said this is their new name. And that name is in a sense a way to de-westernize themselves. Does that make sense, Rod?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense.
0: It's 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 a less western version of their name. So coming up at the bottom of this hour is our great friend and Monday co-host, Carmine Savia. We didn't have Carmine Monday, Sorry, having Carmine Wednesday today. And that's coming up on The Backstory. Now, Rod, you know, we've been talking about the worldwide revolutions and the crazy state of the world today that we see all over the world. We talked about in Ukraine with Mark Slovato, but we see our own examples of that. Did you see did Donald Trump spent his afternoon pleading the fifth in New York?
1: Yeah, Letitia James is, uh, you know, she started a whole campaign of going after Trump. It's on video. Anybody can see it. I think uh, Eric Trump retweeted it again today. So yeah, that's that's been our whole career to get Donald Trump. And uh, that's one of six investigations on Donald Trump.
0: Right, that and the raid in Mar a Lago and so on. And, and we know so many things with, with the weather, with, with shootings, with all kinds of things that seem crazy lately. And we've talked about that a lot. The world seems out of kilter. But, Rod, did you know that a well known man predicted this series of events happening decades ago? A well known actor, an American icon. Of course, I'm talking about John Wayne. What now, John Wayne? I pulled a clip. This is a fairly famous clip. You may have heard it before. This is John Wayne appearing as student dinner for ROTC cadets. And I'll be honest, John Wayne's had a couple of drinks. Is you've heard the clip right, Rod? Is it fair to say John Wayne has had a couple of drinks in this clip?
1: Uh, that's conservative. That'd be conservative. Say uh, a couple, cl- uh, a couple drinks. Yeah.
0: Right. You're, you're, you're implying that he he's had all the drinks. That's what you're implying, right, Rod?
1: As, yeah, as many as he could handle. Yeah. Yes.
0: So you'll hear Marion Morrison. Did you know that's John Wayne's real name, Marion Morrison? Did you know that, Rod?
1: Yeah, I used to watch uh, the show. I don't know if you ever watched it. Uh, I think it was on Discovery, uh, Cash Cab. And I think that was one of the questions. So, yeah, I do remember that.
0: So, yeah, Marion Morrison, this clip from him, from John Wayne, I think sums up the state of the world, if not in all the details, in the general sense. So let's play the John Wayne clip. Hit it.
5: I don't know. This is so unimportant. I want to add anything that I can add to what he said about the fact that you guys are just... On the American side Geez, I don't know how You know, it's so terrible That you don't know how to There is no way To be a leader In uh, Americana Except you guys You gotta control it We haven't We haven't any chance You, uh Naturally, things happen like uh, at the uh, Columbia University and at the other mother colleges. No, it really, it's, uh, when I went to school, I went to school at the University of Southern California. Let me explain something to you. When I went there, I went there when there was a fella in Can- Control of the college. I mean, I mean, he was the uh, the boss man there. If anybody had walked into his uh, office and torn down a picture and did excrement in his known as the waste paper baskets, or had written lewd words on his. Uh, the pictures of his family we as members of the college would have kicked the goddamn hell out of this organization I can't understand how how it can happen in the United States of America that this can happen and there aren't enough Guys of your age, to you go up. I don't give a shit. You go to the school or not. You can't stand to have this happen. Oh Christ! I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to talk for, for clapping. I'm trying to talk for you guys. You better start thinking. It's it's getting to be ridiculous. If you guys don't start thinking as men. We're going to have a lousy country.
0: So there was Mary Morrison decades ago pointing out it's ridiculous. And I guess you had to censor it because he said ridiculous. Right, Rod? Yeah, yeah, we had to censor that, leaf. Yes. Because he was taking the Lord's name in vain and can't have that. John Wayne taking the Lord's name in vain. John Wayne might win. That's a fear. So... John Wayne expre- expressing bafflement at the state of the world. Do you think that sums up emotionally what's going on today, Rod?
1: Yeah, I would I would say that, Lee, and um, I would say we do have a uh, lack of leadership of, uh, you know, I'm a man, you're a man, Lee, and I would say definitely among men we do have a lack of leadership. Well, we let these people, you know, forget just on the political side, but just on a uh, – culture side lead us into just, uh, nothingness, you know, and we have no, we have no leaders, honestly. I mean, who can you look forward to lead? Uh, can say he was a clear leader of, uh, in America. It's very, very and which few. which
0: pronoun do they have? So, so if you could go back in a time machine and tell John Wayne that the current debates in 2022 are about the pronouns that people use and about drag queen story hour, you know, if you told John Wayne that, I think literally his head would have exploded. Do you agree,
1: Rod? I think he would ask me if I was drunk. Uh, and just to let you know, uh, we got Millie on the line. Millie? Correct. Millie from Texas, yes.
0: Okay, 202-521-1320. Let's go to Millie in Texas. Hey, Millie, haven't talked to you in a little bit. How you doing?
6: Good. I think John Wayne sounds like me every time I go to a wedding now.
0: You no, know, I really think that— A candidate, maybe DeSantis, maybe Trump, should basically run that as his campaign speech. This is, you know, John Wayne is, of course, an icon of Americana. And he says that Americana. I'm not sure what he's trying to say there. When he was drunk and he's saying, we got to go to Americana. I don't know exactly what he meant, but it's an amusing drunk speech, isn't it, Millie?
6: Yes, I think he kind of saw some of the radicalism within education. Is the summary?
0: <laughs> yes. So, what's on your mind, Millie?
6: Bill Browder. When I looked up uh, all this integrity initiative stuff, and you just copy-paste his email from those documents into WikiLeaks, a lot of emails show up with the Stratfor and you know the Den files and things that are going on with like FBI cases with Durham. So I think we need to kind of take a step back with the propaganda, including Dan Bonzino, because we don't know how he's paid and if he's a part of this integrity initiative, you know, defense budget or not. We We need to know who's a player and who's getting paid in order to understand what real government propaganda is and how we're getting influenced with media, with all kinds of wars going on.
0: Well, let's drill down to some of the stuff you're talking about for people who might not understand it. First off, Millie, explain what the Integrity Initiative is and why it's important. The Integrity Initiative came up a few weeks ago again, but you've known about it for a long time. So explain to viewer listeners who might not know about it, what the Integrity Initiative is.
6: I think it it kind of launched around 2015 on partnerships that we have with the UK, but um, right now, Nina Jankowicz is part of a Homeland Security budget. So it initially started off as um, education budgets under Obama, as well as Department of Defense contracts for propaganda. But it turned against us, basically. You know, we were supposed to protect our information, our media, our news, and now we've got you know these foreign entities that like Browder, that operates the Treasury Department. He's weaponized the media. So he's got a lot in his favor right now. Um, I bet he's making a lot of money.
0: Yes, and a few years ago, uh, great reporting by Kip Clarenberg exposed stuff from the Integrity Initiative, including a list of who was on, in their organization. And it listed Nina Yankovic as being part of the UK cluster, along with Bill Browder, of the integrity initiative. Is that right, Millie?
6: Yes, and I think that's why American, you know, congressmen and senators that were wanting to know about Nina, they were like, How is she getting paid? Well, she had been paid under a UK budget. It wasn't something that was necessarily a US operation until recently with the Homeland Security.
0: So let me point out that one of the guys who reports a lot of this stuff, I don't trust. And but that's too it's not nuanced enough to sum up my feelings about him. I'm talking about Chuck Grassley, the senator from Iowa. You, Millie, just let me ask you first. Do you trust Chuck Grassley, Millie?
6: Well, you have to be more specific, but I would say that along the lines of James Comey, he's been the most thorough with letters. That doesn't mean that he's prosecuted the same interests that the public wants you know, to know as far as the money laundering, the Treasury, and. And a lot of business activities that aren't influencing today's problems.
0: That's a good summary. So Chuck Rasley, the reason I don't just write him off is because he is the person about this guy, Brian Talbot, for instance. He is the person exposing the FBI person who not only killed the Hunter Biden story, but vouched for the SEAL dossier, right? Chuck Grassley's pointing the guy out. But Chuck Grassley is as anti Russian, pro Ukrainian as any state senator, short short of Lindsey Graham. Would you say that's fair, Millie?
6: I think it's fair to say that senators signed into this Magnitsky Agreement and they've been locked into it since then. And that was, you know, Browder and his initial stuff with Biden administration too. So as long as they signed in on a lot of the Magnitsky stuff, they're tied and obligated to be sanctions wars that are being picked and plucked through that.
0: Well, that's a, that's a good point. And anyone can look it up. I think it is still on YouTube, the video of Bill Browder testifying in front of the Senate, Chuck Grassley is sitting there with Dianne Feinstein and I'll use the word wrapped. He he looks like he wants to kiss Bill Browder. Have you seen Chuck Grassley during Browder's testimony to the Senate? He looks enraptured with with Bill Browder. Have you seen it, Millie?
6: Yes, it's even as bad as the Helsinki Commission when they interview him as well. They're they're the same way.
0: And, and so you see why I say any guy who likes Bill Browder that much, and really he's really listening, and he's almost he's got his hand in his. Knuckles, he's he's sitting there listening like B- Browder singing or something. Chuck Grassley clearly admires Bill Browder, and Bill Browder is such an obvious liar that anyone who's fooled by his story, I just don't buy it because I don't think Bill Browder's story is that good. Melly, do you agree that Bill Browder is not just a liar but he's an obvious liar? I don't understand how anyone believes it.
6: Now, there's a lot of depositions under oath that prove that he's a liar, but we're going to have to take this more to a state opinion because Browder has too much influence with these, you know, operators for too long. So each state can kind of look at it and say, are we being censored? Is this under the integrity initiative? You know, are our rights being violated with the contracts, which Facebook has a contract with them. They are allowed to provide data to the integrity initiative, but they're not allowed to spy on Americans. So.
0: And let's point out that that's the same company, Facebook, or Meta as they're known now, that actively censored private messages. I was talking to a friend of mine online, and I had a picture from the Hunter Biden laptop, and she said she she hadn't seen it yet. So I sent it to her privately, and she did not get a copy of the picture that I sent her, which means that Facebook was monitoring the mail and censoring it. Did you experience any private censorship, Millie, during the Hunter Biden Laptop thing or hear about any other private censorship?
6: Yes, I mean, between Twitter and Facebook, they're obviously in some sort of cohorts with these operations to provide data or to censor through their program. And especially through educational budgets, if it's going to be a college student paid through USAID on this project, they may be on Twitter doing the same thing.
0: Great call, Millie. And on the line now, Owl Killer, that's what I was trying to say, 202-521-1320, Owl Killer, what, indeed, is on your mind? Are you feeling John
7: Wayne? I can't say it. Let me tell you something. Uh, When you were playing that clip earlier, um, that's when I initially called in. I wanted to call in yesterday when you had Jason here, but it was going right to uh, voicemail. So when you were playing the clip of Dan Bongino, Dan Bongino knows about Bill Browder. What it is is he is signed. His the guy who negotiates his deal is Rush Limbaugh's brother. There's a few of them. Mark Levin. It was Rush Limbaugh when he was alive. Sean Hannity. Do you mean David Limbaugh? Yes. And okay. That, you know when people talk about conservative. So basically, Dan Bongino was given Rush Limbaugh's spot. See, has got. I think he's on like him and the, that um the guy the guy who appeared uh, Buck Sexton. They basically share Rush Limbaugh's uh, time slots uh, in different markets. So those two were given his. Uh, and, uh, you know, Buck Sexton, of course, is CIA. You know, with, hey, once you're a CIA agent, you're a CIA agent for life, as far as I'm concerned. Now, I, I when you're talking about Grassley, um, you know, I, I think this is the reality of the situation. I told you that they were going, that Donald Trump was going to be indicted i could see the writing on the wall i saw it months ago and you said the same thing but i the reality of what is going on is it's all basically you see what they the way they baited russia to respond to ukraine is the way they're baiting taiwan or china to respond to the taiwan situation the trump raid they want the they want the conservative movement to respond and it's very important that It does not get violent because I think that is what they really want. Uh, It's the same type of tactics. It's a, it's a, it's an, it's an overly aggressive. It's like you, it's almost like a baseball bat across the head. And it's like, wait, am I supposed to just stay like this? And for the time being, yes. And I I really hope that the people in the American conservative movement understand that, they, you cannot respond physically to that because I think they want they won January 6th, but I'm like, i like they almost want a conservative antifa to respond to the the Trump situation and the re- reality of the situation is the, the new world it's the new world order, it's the globalist, it's the world economic forum, and they have to go. I really think movement should be made. We need everybody in the FBI full pensions, retired and go away for life. And it's the same thing in Congress in the house and the Senate. They're just too compromised. They're too blackmailed. I think they should be, it should be a blanket pardon. Nobody can be prosecuted, get your full pension and get out of our face for life. And let's start over. Let's go back. Let's have all new people. And that is the only way we get out of this without a physical confrontation because it's the, the blackmail, it's, it's decades, if not a century old, and that's why somebody like a Grassley or a Lindsey Graham, do you honestly think they believe what they're saying? They're, it's, you're, when you're in that corrupt system for that long, I mean, remember you had a, you had a caller, um, I think it was August 5th, saying, oh, you're saying Joe Biden's New World Order? Go read his op-ed in the New York Times, and I think it was late 80s, early 90s, how I learned to love the New World Order. I mean, it's – once you're in that system for so long, they have to go, and the only way we can do it peacefully is retire them, take your pensions, but get out of our face for the rest – like, let us start over. That's that's the only thing I – that's the only solution I think it can be presented And I think people should be running in Congress on, I'm going to get in, I'm going to do my time, and that's it. That, that should be the conservative idea that we're running on. We're going to get rid of these – because the FBI – it's really a blanket. It's like, we can do whatever we want to. We're the FBI. And if you do anything back to us, you know, you're a domestic terrorist. And nobody wants to be a domestic terrorist. And nobody wants any. But it's, it's there's nothing we can really do. It, it's, it's just straight up uh, Gestapo tactics. There's nothing you can do when, you know, you are like a Peter Navarro going to the airport and, you know, the guy gets taken in. Like, these tactics, they want a confrontation and we cannot give it to them. I really pray Americans are smart enough.
0: And Alka, let me point out, at a time when the FBI is not just credibly accused, but is clearly, they were clearly hiding stuff on the Biden laptop. And I'm not calling it the Hunter Biden laptop, because too many people get confused. That story is not about Hunter Biden. That story is about Joe Biden's corruption. Hunter Biden's laptop has evidence of Joe Biden receiving payments for Hunter Biden's corruption.
7: Do you agree with that, Alec Killer? Yes. the The crazy, the crazy thing about it is that it's going to be a few people. It's going to be Hunter Biden. It's going to be Joe Biden. We we are in a confrontation with a nuclear arm. We, you know, we're we all we. The only thing is that we just don't have a, like acknowledged American troops. Involved in the war because of a few people's corrupt dealings, we're at, we're, we have, we're at a, you know, we're, we're basically going to go head to head with a country who's our natural ally, a Christian country that has the values that we, you know, that we actually said that we, that's the values that we're supposedly, we're supposed to have. And they, they're our natural ally on everything from, you know, going back to our civil war. People don't even know it. Russia and United States should be the power allies together and it's to the stars if we ever align. And it's it's these corrupt degenerate control freaks. The old the old world order, it's the it's the House of Windsor, it's it's the it's the city of London that prevent us from ever lining up with them.
0: And unfortunately, i killer I gotta go because we got Ingrid on and I'm wanna make sure I get the call. But great phone call as usual, killer of owls. Now 202-521-1320. five two one thirteen twenty. Let's go to Ingrid in D.C. Ingrid, thanks for waiting. What is on your mind?
8: The corruption and suppression of the press. Uh, I don't know whether you've already discussed it, but there was a list of at least seventy-two uh, journalists, politicians that Ukraine made that were de- who were declared information terrorists. And I don't know if you've had um, Scott Ritters on the list, and he's taken a very, very forward position on this. He's written to uh, his senators, one of whom is Schumer, and demanded, you know, why is the U.S. giving money to a regime that is targeting uh, American citizens with what amounts to a hit list? because. People who've been on this list, journalists in Ukraine, have actually been killed. But following that, there's another journalist. I don't know if you recall Graham Phillips.
0: You maybe of course, yeah. The British, the British video blogger.
8: Yeah, you may not love him because he gave a very uh, uh, stiff interview to Aidan Aslin. But he has been actually sanctioned by his own government, by the UK, and they've. He has no way to get money now. He's in a very bad position, and there's a, a good article that was written at the Saker Vineyard of the Saker on this. That th- this is just um, well. Anyway, I,
0: l- I like Grant Phillips, and the situation is very disturbing. And I, he did what I expect people to do. He interviewed Aden Aslan. I expect. People to want to interview him. I don't expect them to agree with him. And I don't agree with him. And I think that he's he should be, he should have been charged for a crime. But at least he interviewed him. And I thought he gave a very fair interview to Aidan Aslan. So let's take a short break. Great call. Thanks a lot, Ingrid. And thanks to all our callers. To, and uh, Millie and owl killer let's take a short break when we come back live on the air freaking out carmine sabia will be joining us and freak out a little bit you're listening to the backstory Back on the back Troy. I am Lee Stranahan, and we're on the radio in the Empire of Lies, capital, Washington, D.C., on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Joining us now, our regular Monday co guest host and the great writer and analyst Carmine Sabia. Hey, Carmine, how you doing? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. So, are you so freaked out a little, Carmine? Be honest. And I
2: freaked out. I'm furious. I'm not freaked out. I'm furious.
0: Okay. Are you nervous at all? Just furious or worried?
2: No, just furious.
0: Okay. So unleash your fear, Carmine. What are you furious about? (laughs) I'm going to guess. The death of Olivia Newton-John. That's what's freaking you out. I'm not
2: happy about that. I mean, I'm not happy about that. Look, man. Look, if you can do this... For classified documents, if you can raid the home of the former president of the United States, because he had classified documents that, by the way, he can declassify with a word of his mouth. okay? Documents that he can declassify on a whim. If that's what the raid was about, then holy crap, we've crossed the threshold into the insane.
0: But Carmine, you know, in fact, that that's not what the raid was about.
2: Of course it wasn't.
0: So what was it about?
2: Of course it wasn't. There was a show it was a show of force. Yes. It was a show of force. That's the whole point of it. It was a show of force and it was it was designed. And let me put you on speaker cuz I have a breaking I'm actually writing as I'm talking to you but I didn't want to call out of the interview cuz I wanted to do it because a federal judge has just ordered that the DOJ has to release the warrant publicly. That has just
0: happened. Okay. Absolutely. Breaking news. Carmine, do me a favor, because you're very good at saying the name of the show. Say the name of the show and then breaking news and then deliver that like a breaking news bulletin. Go ahead. Use your announcer voice, Carmine.
2: Special bulletin from the backstory. Federal magistrate judge Bruce Reinhardt has ordered the Department of Justice to, quote, file a response to the motion to unseal the warrant. After requests were made by the Times Union, a newspaper located in Albany, New York, as well as the conservative legal group Judicial Watch.
0: Okay, I got to throw my leg there, Carmine. Fantastic announcing. So this is a big deal. So what do you think we're going to learn in this warrant?
2: We're going to learn exactly what we know, which is that this was done, quote unquote, Okay, uh, because they want it. They want it classified documents back for the National Archives. Now, I remember a former secretary of state having classified documents in her house and there was no raid. And I remember a gentleman by the name of the late Sandy Berger, may he rest in peace, stuffing classified documents into his socks and underwear. And again, nothing.
0: And and in fact, are, are there any accusations against Donald Trump's underwear at all, as you're aware of, Carmine. Not not at all. His,
2: his fruit of the looms, as I understand, are clean. Now, that being said, this was not just a show of force, though. You understand? This was a show of making him look guilty. It was a show of— uh, it, 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 to, to people, there are people who still insist there's a Russian pee tape. You understand? So when you do something like this, you put it in the court of public opinion— That becomes the truth now forever, to a certain sect of people. That's it. The case is closed. You have to understand. You know, I I forget what comedian said this, but but it was true. Think of the dumbest person you know. I think it was George Carlin. Think of the dumbest person you know. It was Carlin. Once you have that person in your mind, yeah. Once you're that person in your mind, realize that half the people in the world are dumber than that. As you see, if you go through my, my 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 tweets have gone viral all week, as I'm sure seen in the you know tens and hundreds of thousands of likes and retweets. OK, in that time, of course, I've drawn the attention of some of my favorite celebrities and uh, and they, of course, have amplified it. And the the trove of liberal dimwits has come out of the woodwork. And what I learned was that stupid is not in short supply. It's just not. Now, I spent my time blocking these dimwits, but, yeah, stupid's not in short supply, man.
0: Now, would you say the precursor to this, the event that actually set the template for this, was, in fact, the arrest of Roger Stone? I think that that, because of the overly aggressive nature of arresting him. But
2: by the way, by the way, by by the way, and I want you to know the Justice Department operates above board, which is why CNN just happened to be in the neighborhood of his house at the time.
0: Right, and I think it's a significant part of that story. But I'd say the 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 thing that struck me was it was so unnecessary. They could have gotten everything against Roger Stone they got without doing that. They could have told him. Just show up at 9 a.m. in the morning on Monday.
2: Well, that's what Trump's attorney said. We were cooperating. We were cooperating. There was no need for this.
0: The reason I anticipated it recently was the, the attorneys in Virginia who they did this against. I noticed a pattern of unnecessarily aggressive tactics being used against Roger Stone and these Trump attorneys. And that's why I am not surprised by this.
2: I was surprised they pulled the trigger on a former president. Honestly, I, I was a little taken by that. I was surprised by that. But the way they did it, I'm not surprised with. And they said they wanted it. They did it when Trump wasn't there because they wanted it to be low-key. You didn't want it to be low-key. here's my question, though. I have a question for you. I have a question. Maybe you're smarter than I. and You can figure this out. Maybe you understand.
0: No, that's not the question, right? You're You're not asking me. The question, am I smarter than you? Go go ahead. Smart smart move, Carmine.
2: (laughs) But maybe you could tell me, maybe Rod could tell me, maybe somebody here could tell me how the Secret Service let him in.
0: Well, because the Secret Service is clearly part of this operation. I've been saying lately, the operation is the FBI, the CIA, and the Secret Service. Because the Secret Service is not loyal to the president. The Secret Service I think is loyal to the deep state. Does that make sense, for Carmine?
2: But Trump tends to have secret service agents around him that are loyal to him. I mean, he's handpicked these guys in a lot of cases. I agree with you as a whole, the agency, absolutely. They're all, they're all Gestapo for the deep state. They talk about the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union, but we got our own KGB right here. What are you talking about? Which is a whole nother story because of course I'm getting, um, the, the evidence that I'm showing from mainstream media articles this week about Nazis being in Ukraine that have been being, being written for over a decade. Uh, oh, you're Putin's puppet. Oh, these lies, these lies. I'm showing you stories.
0: And these stories have been around for decades. And for instance, I always point out the 1986 Village Voice story, to catch a Nazi, if you type in, in any search engine – to catch a Nazi, 1986, Village Voice. You'll find the story from the late 80s when the Soviet Union still existed. And Ukrainian Nazis and the CIA's involvement with them is a well-known story. But what are you saying, Carmine? Uh, about the, the Nazis? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just denialism
2: from people, people with the Ukrainian flag and their Twitter profiles, complete denialism of what is reality. And what I explain to people is, this is not even a debatable thing. This was, A year ago, nobody would have debated you on this. A year ago. Hell, oh, eight months ago, nobody would have debated you on this. It was a known fact. And what I said was anybody who's followed foreign politics, like myself, like the people who are in the Senate and in Washington, D.C., who you know this stuff, this is not a secret to them. When, when uh, Putin's, uh, they have a Jewish president and Putin's lying about Nazis. No, he's not. And you know he's not. You know he's not.
0: Okay, so let's go to a call, Carmine, 202-521-1320. Brave from Atlanta is calling in. Brave, what is
9: on your mind? What's going on, guys? I actually had a question for you, point the question. Um, so on the Duran the other day, um, uh, Robert Barnes was on speaking about uh, the, the whole uh, raid thing. Um, I, 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 I assume both of you guys follow Barnes, right? Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan, but go go ahead. Um. yeah. I'm over, yeah. I know it is. So, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys saw episode of, uh, of uh, or heard that episode of the rand. I think it was either on Monday or Tuesday. But at any rate, um, they were getting into the the, the very uh, this, this very topic uh, of the raid, how unprecedented it was, especially over the uh, the the so called reason. And of course, they pointed out what everybody's talking about today that um the it the the, the judge that signed the the document was actually um. Uh, epstein's lawyer left 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 the department left left the uh, public service uh to 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 go and service epstein's uh and an obama donor it goes back in but the the question that i have for you guys that i'm looking for some clarity on because not many people have actually even brought this up uh on the show they brought up the fact that the materials that they they, they took um as you guys were talking about uh the, the president could obviously um declassify them right or the, or the former president could obviously declassify them, and that he was there, his, his people were actually working, uh, were, were cooperating with getting it handed over, right? But uh, the larger point is that they, um, Barnes made the point that the material that the FBI was possibly looking for was um, possibly material on that Trump had on them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, like the uh, CYA type material, you know what I mean? Like life life insurance policy. Oh yeah, type type material. I can believe that. Oh, right. And so that. Um. And so so he made the point that the documents that they were looking for, the boxes that they took, ha- have actually been returned to Trump. Everybody's covering this as if that the, this this all this all this information has been taken and is still in possession of the FBI. But they made the point, and again, this was I believe it was on I believe it was yesterday. Um, he made the point that that material, that information, had already been returned to Trump. As a matter of fact, and that they were trying to get in. They were mainly targeting the safe. But the safe, they brought a safe cracker, but the safe was empty when they got in. Once they got inside of it, I don't know how true any of this is. I haven't heard anybody else cover it, but I also haven't heard anybody else cover it in the amount of detail that they did on um, on the Duran uh, with with Barnes. So I was wondering if you guys knew anything about that, had heard anything about that. Um and what and what's your take on it if if you have
0: now I personally haven't heard anything about it. I had not heard about it. And and Carmine, I'm g- gonna get your opinion on the judge in a second. But I'll point out what what I know about Barnes is that he's connected to the Epstein network. He is directly connected and he defended Mike Cernovich, who's also connected to the FC network. Mike Cernovich filed a lawsuit on behalf of a lawyer against Gallane against Virginia free one of Epstein's victims. And Mike Cernovich claimed that he was suing Epstein. But in fact, he sued Epstein's victim. He filed the suit against the victim. And you can easily find this. I didn't
2: know that. I still because I still see him making the claim that he
0: well, I'll show you a document. You can find it very easily. Did you ever see the document? that Virginia Jufri filed against Mike Cernovich? No. Okay, it's it's a filed document, so it's out there in the public record. She filed against Mike Cernovich, saying that he was acting as an agent of of Dershowitz and showed a picture of Cernovich and Dershowitz together. Did you know that, Carmine? Did not, know. no. No, so, so it's very clear. In fact, if you want to look for it, Real quickly, you can go to populist.us, my website, and I have a story up there about Cernovich Video Goes Viral. If you click on that story and you click on the document that I have linked in there, I have the document linked and you can read it yourself. But when you see the document, Rod, you've seen it, right? There's no question whatsoever about this. Uh, It's 100 percent clear that Cernovich sued Virginia Joe Am I right, Rod?
1: Yeah, 100%. There's no doubt about it. It's a, it's on the court documents. You can't uh, fake that.
0: Yeah, y- y- and you'll see it, Carmine. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. But Barnes defended Cernovich. And the reason, by the way, that Cernovich says that is by saying that he sued Epstein. He becomes the acknowledged expert on the story for people on the right. Even Breitbart News, where my friend Andrew Breitbart started, and it was a great insult, even Breitbart News said that Mike Cernovich was doing something Andrew Breitbart would have been proud of. It makes me want to smack the face of somebody over Breitbart News. Andrew Breitbart would not have liked Mike Cernovich. And I don't just say that as someone who doesn't like mike cernovich but as someone who likes the truth that is a lie mike cernovich did not sue jeff epstein look into it and you'll see it and the fact that he's promoted that way as the expert did you hear cernovich ever have you seen the video and i have the video somewhere where mike cernovich says accusing epstein of being Mossad seems anti-semitic have you seen that no So Mike Cernovich said that on video. It's Again, it's very clear. He says accusing Jeff Epstein of being with Mossad seems to him anti-Semitic. Now, have you heard about people linking Jeff Epstein to Mossad? And do you think it's anti-Semitic, Carmine?
2: I have not heard of that, but no, it would not be anti-Semitic if he was linked to them. That wouldn't shock me if he was linked to them.
0: Well, let me give you one clear link. You've heard of Ghislaine Maxwell as girl girlfriend, right? Is
2: that how you say her name?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's a weird name.
2: I always said Ghislaine.
0: Yeah, I I say Ghislaine, but I, I don't know if it's right. So Ghislaine Maxwell, her father was Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell had two state funerals in Israel when he passed away. He was British. But there's a book called Robert Maxwell, Israeli Super Spy, that links to a lot of stuff about Robert Maxwell and his death. And apparently he was a spy for the Mossad, right? So that's Ghislaine Maxwell's father. So there's one link right there. And apparently Ghislaine Maxwell, Right. Apparently, Ghislaine Maxwell was actually the brains behind that operation. As I understand it, she more or less. That I heard. Yes, she recruited Epstein. You've heard that, right? So that's the, the the problem I have with with Robert Barnes. And I don't know why he's on the Duran. I like the Duran and I like Alex Mercos a lot. But and I've he's been a guest on the show, but. I think they've hooked up with Barnes, and I understand why, in one sense, they would hook up with Barnes, because he said some good stuff. But the way you trick people, do you know how I assume said some good stuff about America? A Benedict Arnold. See, you don't become a traitor by only saying negative stuff. You have to say some positive stuff so people like you. Does that make sense? Carmine. Yes. So that's my problem with Barnes. But I now now, Carmine, I warned you, let's get your opinion on the judge and who he's hooked up with. What do you think about the judge in this? The the Obama donating
2: Jeffrey Epstein loving judge. What a joke. That very one. What a joke. I mean, it, it's, it's such a deep state operation, bro. Come on. This guy's a clown. This guy, <laughs> this guy is this guy is deep state as far as deep state goes. So let's I mean, and I'll tell you something else. I'll tell you something else that annoys me. They didn't even give Trump's legal team. I don't know if you know this, but the, the warrant they gave them was partially sealed. No, no. Yeah, they didn't No, the, the warrant that they gave them, they didn't see Though They have not seen the whole warrant yet.
0: When the contents of this warrant come out. And did you say they're out yet or they're about to come out? Carmine. The
2: Department of Justice has
0: August fifteenth to produce. So my guess is they'll do it that day. Of course. I don't think I don't think Merrick Garland's in any hurry to move the investigation along. But Carmine, do you think if he's smart, Donald Trump will immediately cut all ties he has to the DOJ and the FBI? I would trust no one in those organizations. Of course he should. You should have done it a long time ago. Now, do you what Republicans do you see being good on this issue? I saw Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert being good, but I, I'll be honest. Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul. And do, do you trust Marco Rubio? Do you trust Marco Rubio, Carmine? I trust Ted Cruz. And I, I only half trust Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz says a lot of good stuff, but he also says a number of fairly. Weak things, particularly on foreign policy.
2: My biggest issue with all of these people is that, like, when they had the social media investigations and stuff, and it's just investigation and hearing and nonsense and nothing ever happens. The only person I've ever seen anything happen to is Donald John Trump.
0: Now, do you think this whole thing helps Donald Trump's popularity or hurts it long term?
2: God, yes. no, no. No. But- what he did, what happened, I'll tell you what i seen from the Republican electorate, from the voters, people like me who were, you know, Lee, I was on the fence. I was on the fence. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really want him. You know, he was great, but maybe somebody less abrasive in 2022. I'm all in for Trump now. And you know what? i seen a lot of people like me that were on the fence that are all in now. So I think, yeah, I think what you're going to see is that a lot of people, I think you, you, they united the Republican Party. First of all, there is no more primary. He wins. It's over. Not that there was going to be much of one anyway, but he, he wins. That's a done deal.
0: He wins if he's allowed to run, because it's obvious what their move short term is. They're going to. I understand
2: that. Let me take it to another thing.
0: Do you agree with that, though, Carmine, that their their obvious goal? I do.
2: Here's why it will fail. Ultimately, we'll have to go to the Supreme Court, which will affirm that the requirements for the press to run for president are actually said in the Constitution. Okay. It's the only office where the requirements are listed in the Constitution. And nowhere in it does it say you can't be convicted of a crime. You can't change the rules and you can't pass a law that changes the rules unless you pass an amendment. They never passed an amendment to that law.
0: Now, I want to point out anyone who doesn't like Donald Trump, what would you say to them? Why should someone who doesn't like Donald Trump care about this? Because I argue that they should care about this. Carmine, what say you? Because the entire game
2: has changed now. Now we've become a country where you can punish your political enemies after they're out of office. It's a danger to democracy. It's a danger to this country. And if you think, and if they think for one millisecond that this is not going to be done to Democrats someday, they're dreaming.
0: Because I, I I agree. And I think people need to understand We're in a post-partisan age. What I mean by that is if you think the the Democrats are your friend, ask yourself what they've done for you. Ask yourself, have they done anything to make your life better? Would you agree, Carmine, that the Democrats have no record to stand on? Correct.
2: Well, uh, unless spending spending like a drunken sailor is a record you want to run on.
0: And it might be. And uh, so— the Democrats all they have is anti Trump. They've noticed the election issue that works well for them. If you think that Joe Biden got more votes than Trump in the last election, I would say that's because of how many people hated Donald Trump than how many people like Joe Biden. Do you agree with my analysis there, Carmen? Correct. So they're they're going they're going back to the playbook. That's work for them. Carmine, where can people find your writing? And, of course, you're Carmine Sabia on Twitter, and you're on fire on Twitter, so people should follow you there. But also,
2: go to Facebook. Go to Explain America on Facebook every night, 8 o'clock. You'll see my video of
0: the day. Thanks, Carmine. And Thank you. Great appearance, as always. Carmine, Wednesday, a special week. 'Cause we didn't have Carmen on Monday, so we have to have one on on Wednesday. Carmen should be a great appearance. And to all our callers, we had a lot of great callers today. And to Mark Sloboda, we'll be back tomorrow on the Best Damn Radio Show, the show that's keeping you ahead of the news cycle. The backstory.